0: Welcome to the Huck Adventures podcast. In each episode, we are talking to brands, nonprofits, and athletes that are impacting the outdoors in positive ways. Our podcast is sponsored by a few of our brand partners. When you use the links in the show notes and purchase a product, a percentage of that purchase comes back to us and helps us continue producing awesome content. This episode is sponsored by Peak Refuel. Peak Refuel has been reimagining and reinventing the freeze-dried experience since they hit shelves in June 2018. What stood out to us most was the flavor of their meals. Typically when we're camping in the backcountry, we've sacrificed taste for nutrient-dense meals. It's a bold statement, but Peak Refuel is the best-tasting freeze-dried meal we've had. I mean, when was the last time you had a freeze-dried meal that tasted like a home-cooked meal? This has a lot to do with their ingredients and freeze-dried process. They have real, non-GMO ingredients that taste delicious and are nutritious. Their meals are loaded with protein, 150 to 200% more than other brands, that's sourced from 100% real meat, no fillers. The biggest standout is when you look at their ingredient list. You can see just how clean their ingredients are by how short their list of ingredients is. Our favorites are the beef pasta marinara, the breakfast skillet, and strawberry granola with milk. Visit peakrefuel.com and enter the code HUCK at checkout and you'll save 15%. Again, that's peakrefuel.com, enter the code HUCK and save 15%. Our show today is also brought to you by Sea to Summit. Sea to Summit creates gear for epic adventures in every altitude. They design and build equipment that brings you closer to the outdoors, creating gear that is nimble and light, but serious enough to deliver on any adventure. Some of our favorite gear includes their ultralight sleeping system. It's perfect for your next backcountry adventure. Sea to Summit is an affiliate of Huck Adventures. And if you click on the link in our show notes, it'll take you to a special link on the Sea to Summit website, where Huck Adventures will receive a commission at no additional cost to you. And now, on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Huck Adventures podcast. I am here with Dean, director of corporate development at Leave No Trace. Welcome. Thanks. It's good to be here. Kind of kick things off. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, what led you on this journey to to Leave No Trace? Yeah, it's
1: it's interesting. I've been out in Colorado for about sixteen years now. I grew up in New York on Long Island, and I've always been involved in active sports when I was a child. Coming out to Colorado, I started to learn about backpacking and camping and just general kind of everything Colorado has to offer and dabbled in a little bit of all of it. But uh, my job at the time was architecture and I was in an office drafting uh, blueprint documents. Um, I realized that really wasn't for me and was looking to kind of move somewhere else as I was getting more into rock climbing and kind of focusing more on that than skiing at the time and moved to Boulder. and needed something to do and was looking for a job and at the time i couldn't find anything yet the job market was kind of saturated so i interned for leave no trace so i actually started as an intern um in 2009 so over 10 years ago yeah is when i kind of started to learn a bit a little bit about leave no trace and to be honest i didn't know much about the organization at that time
0: yeah yeah 10 years anniversary congrats thanks (laughs) Yeah, so kind of tell me just a little bit about that journey of kind of diving in with um, Leave No Trace and that that journey of education that kind of brought you to where you're at today. Yeah, it's it's
1: interesting. I mean, my passion is the outdoors. It always has been, but as I start involving myself more and more in getting outside on a daily basis into either the trails in our backyard in Boulder, Colorado, um, or just taking kind of adventures around the world. I start to really kind of learn. I want to take more of an initiative in my own travel and try to protect the outdoors. Right. And Leave No Trace is really that avenue and I found a connection with it. And so that's why I've been around for so long in the organization, because I really believe um, wholeheartedly in my own journeys. Um, and I want to be able to kind of broadcast it and spread that with others.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny, just the, the way that even just my own perception has changed since that time of being a child and not necessarily having that sense of awareness about the impact that littering can have, or, you know, the times where we'd be just wandering through the woods. And, not exactly adhering to those leave no trace principles, but I mean, there was just like this, I don't know, like free ranging experience that we were just like, there are no consequences to what we were doing, but there were truly consequences to what we were doing, you know, whether it was littering, you know, um, I can remember, you know, a handful of times where, you know, we'd be on family canoe trips and, you know, other family members are, you know, chucking beer cans into the, the river or, you know, we're burning paper plates and things like that in our campfire and those are being left behind, you know, and it's, you know, definitely a lot of aspects where you have those remnants of just like, you know, what was I thinking, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because I think especially now, like as the different climate reports are coming out, as you know the the tension around you know where our planet could be heading or is heading uh, is mounting that you know it's where would we have been at you know 30 years ago if you know we kind of had that same mentality that we did today
1: yeah and you notice a lot more people are going into the outdoors and right. the statistics in national parks just kind of speak yeah. for itself and the ownership is on us. And so you're exactly right. You start seeing those impacts more and more and you start realizing that you can make a difference. Every person makes a difference and it's not just one person's impact. It's the cumulative. Totally.
0: Um, Yeah. The, a few weeks ago I was leading this Cub Scout camp and, you know, as part of that, we took the kids on a nice, like three mile hike and, you know, one hand was encouraging them, you know, if they see any trash or anything to go and just pick it up, put it in my pack, things like that. But I mean, there, it was a family outing. And so, you know, he had kids from like almost two to 10-ish. And with that mix of things, you know, you had different ways that the kids were hiking. And so some were just like hiking, just, you know, going as fast as possible. Whereas others, mostly my kids were just like, oh, look at this shiny rock. I want to take this rock off the trail and keep it for myself. And it was just like, You know, as was trying to talk the kids through, like, the ideas and the principles of, like, Leave No Trace, it was trying to, like, at least talk to them through, like, this this least viewpoint of logic or at least the viewpoint of logic from an adult's perspective down to a kid's perspective of, like, the way I was trying to explain at least was, like, if everybody, you know, took a rock off the trail, it would just be like this mudslide going down. And that's why it's important to leave what's there, what's already there and what's already established versus you know, picking things up and, and granted it's just one rock, but it's like the idea is just that that one rock, as it turns into habits, turns into multiple rocks. And eventually we're just left with that mudslide. So um, it didn't necessarily work. My daughter still pocketed a few shiny rocks to take back home, but it was still just like, you know, you just see, I don't know, the ripple effect that can happen mm-hmm. not to not just like speak in like a fearful manner or anything but it's just it's just that idea if we don't start changing habits what's going to prompt that idea of change
1: right and what's interesting so we have a bunch of stats that we've noticed that help us kind of get the aha moment and get people thinking and one of those based on you know, your story right now with your kids is a uh, petrified forest national park yeah um, one ton of petrified wood is removed from that park each year Jeez. and Man. annually and i believe in the visitor center and mm-hmm. i haven't been there yet um, they have actually letters that people have sent back wood that they've taken yeah. from their childhood mm-hmm. and said hey i'm so sorry this has been in my bookshelf or yeah. in their dresser drawer for right. so many years and they've felt bad and they wrote a note apologizing and sent that back of course it's actually a federal offense to remove that (laughs) but um with that said and they can't put it back Mm -hmm. because now it's removed from the park right um it's changed so you can't just kind of reintroduce that into that habitat but i mean a ton of wood per year is being removed and yeah it's it's kind of insane but that is that cumulative effect again right. of something you can start to visualize in your
0: head and conceptualize mm-hmm. and just the idea that it can't go back i mean that's that's a visual that's like hugely impactful you know um because i don't know i, I kind of think just through my own mindset as it's continued to develop but it's that idea of like oh well this might have a consequence right now but like i can have a do-over mm-hmm. but that's not that's not the same not aspect always the case. Yeah, and it's uh it's interesting too because especially like moving out to Boulder, you know, been out here about a year and a half. You know, it's going from that Midwest outdoors mentality where I mean, I can't tell you how many times like been out running in Kansas City or you know, hiking or biking and there's just garbage everywhere, even on what could be just a really pristine trail. There's Newspapers, grocery ads that are just blown up against the fence. Um, and coming out here where you have like this idea of just this pristine area, especially here in Boulder, it's really interesting over the course of these 18 months, seeing the impact of people on trails. Um, and I think of just like some very just specific trails around Boulder, like, um, Sanitas or Chautauqua or even just a little bit further up Chautauqua on just the Mesa Trail. You know, it's like seeing like, you know, just the way that the trail has continued to expand as people have gone off trail. Or, you know, the herds of people going up Sanitas and stuff is just like going everywhere, not just varying a little bit, but just going everywhere in the way that the rock is broken up. Like being a trail runner and trying to go down the trail sometimes like during like pretty much like this time during the summer when like traffic has increased a lot, I hate going down the East Ridge (laughs) because there is a level of unpredictability of Mm -hmm. not having steady footing. Um, but it could also be that I'm a pansy about that stuff. So who knows? Um, I kind of thought like you know just i know we've kind of like been touching on different areas of the leave no trace principles but i thought it'd be good to kind of circle back on what leave no trace is to kind of just set a foundation for our listeners that we can kind of continue to build off as we continue chatting
1: yeah definitely so leave no trace is a concept and you can live on any end of this spectrum you know it's not a Hard and fast rule set: right. Do this, don't do that. But one cool thing that a lot of people don't necessarily know about Leave No Trace is this isn't just conceptualized idea that we said this is probably the way to do this. This mm-hmm. is the way to stay on the trail. This is yeah. a durable surface. Yeah. This is how far you need to, um, you know, wash your dishes from mm-hmm. a water source. Um, we everything that we educate people on and have based all of our knowledge is all scientific research right. so anything that we have from soil compaction rates to how deep to dig a cat hole for human waste is uh all measured based on research that we've either done or we've been a part of or research that's been out there by various universities um, so that's kind of kind of very interesting the way i started looking at leave no trace personally was to say like okay this is actually like very scientifically based mm-hmm. and i've just love kind of thinking about it in that yeah. respect because there is kind of the hardened fact, like this is the best practice, mm-hmm. but it's also not always the easiest thing for anyone kind of new to the outdoors to just dive into the best practice. Yeah. Totally. So that's why we say it's a spectrum. And so leave no trace. You can live anywhere on that spectrum. You can do one thing, you could stick to trails, or mm-hmm. always clean up after your pet. Or you can make sure that you're always packing out your human waste or even picking up litter after somebody else on the trail, or making sure you pick up after yourself. And we find that through some of our own uh, social research that people want to do the right thing. They don't always just know what the right thing is to do. And we also find that if people start doing one thing... They want to figure out how they can continue that process and how they can learn more and how they can make less of an impact. So that's where we really come in as the center. So we really are there as a tool and an avenue for people to learn more about how they can respect the outdoors through any human powered um, sport or Mm -hmm. um, activity and start to learn a little bit more about how they personally can Get involved. And one of the easiest ways to get involved is to educate yourself, or find like one of our trainings, or go through our website and start reading through our blog sets, our videos, or even taking an online awareness workshop um, off of our website and starting to educate yourself. The most difficult thing is to educate your friends. Right. And so, and I still find that. And people I have friends that I've been telling the same thing through for years. And I have seen a change um, mm-hmm. because I've learned how to talk to them. Right. But, uh, you know, that is also kind of, kind of that twofold of once you start to learn, you start wanting to teach others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Leave No Trace is an
0: education tool. You know, we want to
1: fight the impact before the impact happens.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, can you do a breakdown of those Leave No Trace principles? Yeah. So
1: there's seven different principles.
0: Um, and the first one is plan ahead and prepare.
1: And... That really is about, like, safety, finding out the rules and regulations of where you are going, Um, you know, can you have fires, can you not have fires, Mm -hmm. following, you know, what each land management um, says about that area. Because areas are different, whether you're in the desert of Moab or you're up here in Rocky Mountain National Park, they're two completely different landscapes. So really understanding what you need to do and how you need to practice Leave No Trace in both of those landscapes becomes very important mm-hmm. um, especially when we're talking about like human waste or we're talking about wildlife um, those are definitely like larger impacts yeah and
0: I th- and I think just to touch base on real quick the idea of, of, of fire bans you know as even in Colorado between here and uh, Colorado Springs like being able to know like where you are going and checking for that specific area not just what you've heard on the radio that day or different things that are happening on your county website, but drilling down to the specific area that you're going to be in.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So another one of the principles is uh, camp, travel and camp on durable surfaces. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that should be an easy one, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but uh, not always. And If you really want to get very hard, in fact, and into the depths of it, um, there we do talk about how to travel if you're on grasslands or your Mm -hmm. cryptobiotic soil, you know, different ways of travel. Do you need to disperse if you're in a group or do you need to stay single file? So we definitely get more into those hard and fast facts. But we want people to understand and recognize what is a durable surface. Where is the best place to set up your tent? Um, Where should you travel um, if you're not in a trail system? Um, Like you mentioned in Boulder, it's busy. Mm -hmm. There's over 150 miles of trail on OSMP land. Um, Last I checked with OSMP, there's about 175 miles of trail that are visitor created. So Mm -hmm. more than double The amount of trails we actually have that are mapped out here have been created, Um, and some of those are climber trails. Some are, you know, some other dispersed um, locations that have been like identified. But a lot of them are people going around um, when we have like uh, runoff, mud pits, raptor crossings, walk right through. You know, we people do start creating those trails. Or hey, I've got to go pick up my kids. Um, This is my loop because it's an easier shortcut. And so we start seeing that. And so if I created that trail and you came along, you might say, oh, that looks like it could be part of the trail. And yeah. you start getting people from out of town or not familiar with our system, then they start thinking that's a trail. And all of a sudden you have this trampling effect. Yeah,
0: you know, that's, that's interesting because I was just talking to a local trail, trail runner a couple of weeks ago about um, the uh, trail run project mm-hmm. uh, app. And he was talking about like doing like user generated maps and stuff. And <laughs> what you just said just sent over just some like red flags of like. I hope what he's doing are not user-generated trails, Mm -hmm. but um, definitely a good follow-up conversation I have.
1: Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Um, So to keep going forward, um, minimizing campfire impact is another Mm -hmm. one of our seven principles that we really focus heavily on. Um, We see forest fires every year, a lot of time human power or human cost. Um, So really trying to think about what your impact is and then do even need a fire um, mm-hmm. when I go out camping I used to love fires, I still do right. but I when it's just me or me and a friend, typically we don't have fires, you know, yeah. I prefer to enjoy the stars um, yeah. or I use a stove or if I need warmth mm-hmm. um, you know, I can kind of put on some hand warmers or yeah. put on an extra layer um, yeah. I feel I get a lot more enjoyment and connection to nature, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, it's fantastic to have a fire we're pro fire but we also want people to do it in a responsible way if right. it's windy maybe don't have one or have a smaller fire mm-hmm. um but you start seeing these big bonfires right. or um another thing that we had uh, i think it was in oregon a couple of years ago a mountain biker had burned his toilet paper created a large forest mm-hmm. fire so really kind of thinking about what impact you might have because fires have obviously yeah are always in the news and are always creating yeah. a much larger urban issue yeah. Definitely. So um, another principle is uh, respecting wildlife. So we do a lot of education models based on um, distance from wildlife. What's Mm -hmm. a safe, appropriate distance to stay away from wildlife. Um, Also, we talk a lot about bear country um, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. food storage. So that's where we really start kind of thinking about, like, how can we still interact with wildlife but from a, uh, a safe distance? To yeah. not habituate them with food. I mean, they're, it's fine for a deer to be habituated. I mean, I was just driving down Boulder Canyon yesterday, and there's a deer right on the side of the road. Yeah. Um, and it's two feet from my car as so I'm driving down the road, right. Right? Yeah. kind of on the side lane. And there's not much you can do about it. That deer is pretty habituated. It's yeah. used to cars. It's used to humans. Mm-hmm. But let's say if I start feeding that deer, it starts yeah. becoming habituated with food conditioning. Mm-hmm. And then you start having a problem. Right. So then you start having that deer and that deer could potentially start becoming food aggressive. And you see that a lot with chipmunks if right. you're out in a park. Yeah. Um, chipmunk, somebody keeps feeding it or it's used to seeing, you know, it relates people to food right. and then it can become aggressive. Yeah. Um, and then we also see that with bears as well, especially here in our backyard, bears coming down on the hill and mm-hmm. getting into garbage cans. Um, and yeah. we all kind of know what happens after we start feeding bears. Yeah,
0: totally. I mean, there's... There's that spot on Green Mountain where there's apple trees. And that was where I had my first bear experience. Just mm-hmm. forging for apples <laughs> last fall and coming down off the trail. It's just like there's this big black thing in the uh the middle of the trail. And I put on my brakes, he put it on his brakes, we like looked at each other and, you know, did the whole uh, you know, make myself look big, make lots of noise, blow my little whistle and all that stuff, and he's like scurried off. But But yeah, I mean, it's like, I think a part of the wildlife thing is to at least always be prepared, but also like, you never know what to expect, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's running into rattlesnakes on the trail, mountain lions, bears, oh my. (laughs) 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 So, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, um, a couple weeks ago I was out running and there was, um, an elk, um, that, this was in Superior, so not Boulder. <laughs> and uh, running across the road was this uh, massive elk, massive bull elk. And it's probably like at that point, like 100 feet away. And it was huge. And it was just like, keep my distance, keep my eye on them, all that stuff. But then I look over and hiding behind a telephone pole is another uh, elk just staring at me. And... You know, it's like stuff like that. I mean, it's just like, you know, don't panic, you know, first and foremost, but then also just being aware of your movements and being present within yourself and what you're doing and the people around you so that, you know, you aren't (laughs) disturbing things. Yeah. Yeah. During that same Cub Scout camp, uh, there was a female elk that wandered through camp in the morning and. You know, one of my friends who was camping out, he, when the elk was pushing it up against his tent, he thought it was a kid and was just like, get away, it's six o'clock in the morning, you know, pushing it away without realizing what it was until later. And, you know, wildlife is wild and will continue to be so. Yeah,
1: very true. <laughs> um, and then also we we did touch on the seventh principle of leave what you find when we were talking about the petrified wood and the rocks when your kids were looking to take them, yeah. um, you know, we, we really want to kind of leave nature where it is. Um, that also means, you know, moving rocks. Um, right. One of my examples I was thinking when you were talking about rocks, mm-hmm. actually a visual impact is when you're in Zion National Park right below the Narrows, yeah. Um people stack rocks and start creating these yeah. little rock cairns. And sometimes rock cairns are fine because they're there. They're set to be used as a guide. Um, right. And those are like approved um, mm-hmm. or, you know, used for marking a trail if yeah. something's very faint. Um, but you start seeing one person do it and mm-hmm. then you see another. And then now it's a thing. Yeah. And you have to like, I've got to go make my rock stack. You know, right. people are going down to the river and yeah. moving the rocks away. Unfortunately, it's also back into the respect wildlife and now all of a sudden we're starting to mess with someone else's home, you know, and you may not be able to visually see Mm -hmm. um, the wildlife that you're impacting, but you're still picking it up. You probably have sunscreen on your hands, You're stacking these rocks, you're moving them around. Um, It does, to me personally, becomes a visual impact. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's that question, is it art or is it not? Um, And to me, I don't see it as art. I see it as nature kind of being... Disturbed. Right. Um, and people definitely have their different opinions. And that's why I keep saying leave no traces on a spectrum because some yeah. people feel that's fine, but they may be very dedicated to staying yeah. on the trail. And again, you start thinking in that mindset, you start kind of involving all of the seven principles and starting yeah. to dive in. Um, and so, same with like wildflowers, mm-hmm. you know, picking wildflowers. Yeah. And, you know, kind of the way we always think, and I like to tell people is, you know, yeah. Probably is going to look cooler out in nature than on your bookshelf or yeah. in your sock drawer. Right. You know? And that's where I like, I've heard people be like, you know, you're right. And then maybe like drop an elk shard that they yeah. found. Um, and then the last principle, um, if I'm not missing any, um, is respecting other visitors. So is being cautious and considerate mm-hmm. of others out there on the trail you know we're not the only ones yeah um i'm not just going out there and it's all about me and i've got to make my trail run beat my last time <laughs> right. you know i want to be respectful of other people on the trail too um, yeah. because everyone is having their own unique experience mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that people are having just as good of a time as you want to have as well
0: yeah the <laughs> hiking with kids is always a challenge because it's always trying to um curb their enthusiasm or their lack of enthusiasm sometimes when they're hiking um because you know i mean i uh, almost eight almost five and almost two and so like the entire spectrum of really enjoying hiking down to like whining and complaining <laughs> for better or worse i love my kids just clarify <laughs> but um you know, when that happens, it's always like, there's other people out there, you know, please be quiet, you know, enjoy it for what it is. And you know, I remember like there was one time when we were hiking up um somewhere along the Mesa Trail, and there were these mule deers, you know, off in the distance. And you know, I kind of sit the kids down and, you know, point off into the distance and all that stuff, and it's this nice peaceful moment until my daughter She's the one that's going to be five soon, just turns and just roars as loud as possible at the mule deer, hoping that they would scatter. They didn't. They were just like, oh, it's just a small child and uh, just went back to eating. But it was just like, you know, kids are an interesting component (laughs) when Mm -hmm. when it comes to like being outdoors. And, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about your organization is that you also take those principles and distill them down into more kid-friendly, more digestible by kids methods. And I thought it'd be also good to kind of have you break those down as well for any kids that might be listening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we, so what I gave was kind of the standard format of the seven principles. And so instead of plan ahead and prepare, you know, we changed that to know before you go. Yeah. So it just relates a little bit more to a uh, kid format. Um, right. we don't then follow up with like very hard fact bullets mm-hmm. of like, here's some really important information. Right. You know, it's much more kind of catered for yeah. a younger crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it can go all the way down to like three to five year olds. Yeah. Um, but you know, really, kind of like the bread and butter where kids really start to understand "leave no trace" is kind of that eight to twelve. Um, right. That's like where they start to digest it, mm-hmm. um, and so as we're actually like pushing through our education, I mean, we do go into a lot of schools and we do educate kids directly. Um, when we start bringing that up, we start start we start seeing the kids then start educating their parents yeah and which is really unique because it's kind of a flip instead of yeah. like you're saying that hey i want to educate my kids i cringe when they do this and then <laughs> i want to like teach them right um, eventually watch in several years yeah. they might start spitting out facts and trying to teach you and be like dad you know like we could do this better by doing this or yeah. what if we did this or i always mm-hmm. notice we owe hiking like i get that now what you were yeah. saying um, and that's really interesting. Um, I like seeing that a lot. Um, I personally don't have any children, but uh, it's really cool to start seeing the kids educating the parents. Um, yeah. So then we like we go into more about like be careful with fire and mm-hmm. not minimize campfire really. impact. You know, it's just kind of changing the language just a little bit and tweaking it um, just to also make it a little bit more fun. Um, and then we also have a lot of different, uh, various style, I would say games, um, mm-hmm. but they're education tools. Right. Um, and it's a way to kind of teach Cleveland Church to a younger crowd and get them engaged, like, um, having them play fun activities where they're up out of their seats, they're moving around. Maybe we're outside, maybe we're at a summer camp, um, and really kind of teaching these kids directly through their movement and they're getting involved or they're yeah. playing with this piece of string. That's trying to teach them about invasive species, yep. you know, and it's trying to get them thinking in that mindset through something that's also fun and they can laugh and enjoy yeah. it too. Oh, that's um, Leave No trace can actually be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, when you really kind of distill it down, it's, it's really important to know. And when we find a lot of people who are new to the outdoors, start connecting to our organization, they start to feel comfortable going out to the environment um, yeah. with a group or their friends. Um, they start to feel like I have an understanding for the outdoors cause I understand how to respect mm. it. Um, which is also really interesting that we've been finding out in the past several years. Um, people who are connected to our organization are also very connected to
0: the outdoors. Yeah, no, that's a great, like, I know like one of the like moments that I had with my son where I felt like was starting to like things were starting to click because I was just having conversations with him about like the outdoors and the impact we have with it. Uh, We were going up Green Mountain and was talking about, and I hope my fact is right, (laughs) otherwise I lied to him, but uh, like Green Mountain was like the one of the first like trails that was carved out in Boulder. Um, I forget the story of it, but it was something to do with like the original like mining community or something like that my facts could be completely off but it was part of it that started connecting with him was like the history and like the idea that this has at least in his mind being a always has been and that kind of led up to these conversations about just like you know it's not so much about like his present his his sense of the present but it's you know making sure that within the present we're maintaining what has always been there and at the same time too not doing anything that has an impact that's going to impact the future of it and it was interesting just having this conversation with him because I could kind of see like the light going off in his head and we had very similar conversations, too, on a recent trip up to Custer, South Dakota, where they have the, like the Crazy Horse Memorial and all that stuff, just talking about, like, Native lands, traditions, all that stuff. It was just that same thing where there was this, just this light going off. And it was just like, yes, now I just have to convince you not to pick up rocks. <laughs> 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 but, I mean, if, if anything, if there's any, like point i have with like kids i mean there's and i think this applies to adults too it's just repetition like creating that sense of habit around the things that you're always telling your kids you know um about those leave no trace principles or just about like being in the outdoors and continuing to repeat so that habits start to form there's the whole belief that it takes like 21 times before like a habit forms so I'd say I'm almost there mm-hmm. with the three kids. <laughs> you
1: know, and it's, um, it's interesting too to expand on that from yeah. some of the education model that we have is we, since we are educating a lot of people mm-hmm. to go out and educate others. Yeah. Um, we have over 15,000 volunteers yeah. nationwide wow. who are educators teaching Leave the mm-hmm. no Trace. And when we're teaching people to teach people we're also educating people how to interact with others. Yeah. We're practicing things yeah. that are less than leave no trace, and so it's also an approach of how you bring it up. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of like put down that rock. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, you know, if you if that rock was moved, you might be disturbing this this habitat, or trying to mm-hmm. bring a connection yeah. to if you take that rock. Here's the potential. Yeah. Option And then not even giving your, uh, you know, saying like, now put it back saying like, what do you think you should do? You mm. know, do you want to keep it or not? That's interesting. And yeah. you know what, if your child wants to keep it at that point in time, that's fine. You know, yeah. we don't want to deter as well, but we also want to kind of keep approaching in this mindset of, you know, letting people make their own decisions mm-hmm. and kind of coming up with their own, you know, you're right about that. It would yeah. be better here than, than there. Um, yeah. And that is also that repetition factor. Um, And it does change per user. Um, Some people just can't be changed. Right. And, you know, that's why there are laws and there's tickets and fines. And we see that every year in uh, various parks and all and things come up, Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately. And we saw a lot of that in the beginning of this year with the uh, government shutdown. Yeah. Um, And that was an interesting time for us. Um, That was probably one of the busiest couple of months I've ever seen us uh, at Leave No Trace. Um, of course, starting right in the, back in the beginning of the year yeah. um, is one of my busiest seasons. But uh, all of a sudden, we have a government shutdown. And people are still going to the national parks mm-hmm. and BLM lands and forest service lines. Yeah. And we had an influx of people and media and anyone and everyone kind of asking, what do I do? Yeah. I don't know what to do. And that yeah. was a really interesting time because people were then coming directly to us saying... I'm not sure what to do. Please tell me. Yeah. Um, and you know, we wrote up a whole guidelines for what to do during a government shutdown. Um, it got picked up very heavily by various media yeah. channels. Awesome. Um, and then socially as well, mm-hmm. everything has changed dramatically based yeah. on social media. Yeah. And so that was a really cool moment, um, because we were able to then directly talk to that end user, um, and be that kind of authority figure and say, here's our recommendations. Yeah. Um, And we also saw a lot of parks getting trashed, like Joshua Tree. People cutting down uh, Joshua Trees or driving off the four-wheeled roads. Probably not going to reach that end user, unfortunately. We would love to. um, But there's, you know, 98% of people out there that we can reach,
0: you know. Um, And I got to believe, too, like there's, like with the 98%, like, we might not necessarily see it right now, but there's got to be a ripple effect happening.
1: Yeah. Well, what we saw was there's no authority figures in these parks. No one's there in uniform. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that. And not only do people ask, what should I do? But they were kind of wondering, like, should I go to these parks? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see these impacts in these parks, like, a pit toilets closed and now all of a sudden you have like people bringing in wag bags, but they don't know where to put those and they're putting them next to the pit toilets. And so we start seeing these impacts um, and we start realizing that like we do need the authority figures out there, Mm -hmm. but if we all don't do our part and stay on the trails and keep these clean, it really is all about us. You know, things change, politics change everything kind of like adjusts you know mm-hmm. and it, uh, what landscape you're in also changes um you know there may not be a lot of land managers in a certain park or right. you go to Yosemite and there's people all over the place um but then you get into the backcountry and they're not and we really realize that like everyone needs to do their part yeah and it is that going back to when we first started is that cumulative impact yeah. um you could do one thing I could do another someone else could do another and all of a sudden now it's a visual yeah um And that's kind of like that big aha moment for us as well of, okay, how do we start expanding this more? Mm -hmm. And a lot of our answers at that point in time were, you know, let's reach out to people socially. Let's start getting the word out there as far and wide as we can and kind of talking about why this is important because everyone's starting to see this impact Mm -hmm. happen right in front of them over the course of a month and a half. And we can track that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's amazing. Uh, So you know, we kind of talked through sort of that mindset of talking to to kids, which really appreciated. I mean, there's there's definitely lessons to be learned from that versus doing sort of the top down parenting that I've been doing. Um, But you know, when it comes to adults or even just older older kids, you know, as those conversations are taking place, like. And people are trying to decide like, yes, this idea of leave no trace, this is, this is what I want to do. To your point earlier, it's a spectrum. Where would you encourage people to start so they can start building those habits?
1: Yeah. Um, So it depends who you are and where you are, but uh, our website is a wealth of information that is pretty much where everything lives. Um, And then we do have an online store where we have books where you can do anything from a three by five reference card that you hang Mm -hmm. on your backpack to an entire book uh, we did with Stackpole Publishing, all about Leave No Choice. Um, So you can get as little or as much information (laughs) as you want, but starting from our website is where you can start going. We do daily blogs. Um, Weekly, we put out videos. We have tech tip videos. So if you're thinking hey, where do I pitch my can- my tent or mm-hmm. how do I wash my dishes in the backcountry? You probably have a video for yeah. that or at least a blog. Um, so you can read all of that information. But then you could dive more in. You can also then become officially trained. So you can take a trainer course, which is a two-day course, or you can become a master educator if you want mm-hmm. to go out and teach others. And that's nice. a five-day course. And typically they're either backpacking or, I mean, there's – Horse use master yeah. educator courses. Yeah. Um oh, There's that's great. kayaking yeah. master educator courses. Most of them are backpacking style. Yeah. And you do go out into the backcountry and you learn. And not only are you learning, you're also teaching. Yeah. So everyone on that course is teaching everyone else. Yeah. And then you're also um, critiqued on your teaching style because we don't only just talk about teaching leaving a trace, we talk about how to teach it. Mm-hmm. Um, to others so they start grasping it and yeah. understanding it that's as well.
0: awesome yeah that's great um so if you can hit on the website so it's
1: lnt.org so just abbreviating lead on trace yeah um and then you'll get right onto our homepage. page um, we just launched a new website so it should be pretty easy just to get right onto that homepage and start learning right from there starting mm-hmm. to learn about you can even scroll down if you scroll down i believe half of the Homepage. You can start looking at various impacts, and if you click on like wildfires, mm-hmm. you can start learning directly about fires oh, from right. there. Um, yeah. You can then kind of navigate through the seven principles, like I mentioned, um, and we even we don't just bullet them out of what to do. We kind of talk through it, so it's almost like if you were in a conversation with us, um, you start getting that information at kind of a user level.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so lnt.org. Yep.
1: And then cool. also if you look us up, uh, our Instagram page mm-hmm. is also a great wealth of information. Right. We're always kind of putting out either trivia or um, where we are in the country if we're doing okay. some specific info, uh, specific kind of education or working with a specific land management unit. Um so we put out information through that. We're also shareables of recent blogs or videos. Like I just mentioned, we um we did one of how to poop in the backcountry. Um <laughs> always and what to do with that. Um yeah. so that launched, I think that happened actually today. Um and then also we have a Facebook page and then a YouTube channel as well where all okay. those videos are hosted. Great,
0: great. Well, cool. Um one of the things I thought we'd hit on just as um to kind of wrap things up, so I mean, the biggest reason why we're having you here on the podcast is because you are one of our nonprofit partners for Huck Adventures. Um, And we are creeping steadily closer and closer to our launch date. Um, Right now we have the app in beta. And if anyone's listening, they're like, ooh, I like to really test beta apps. Shoot us an email, Um, info at huckadventures.com. But the reason I bring this up, though, is that as we get ready for launch. One of the things that users will experience when they download the app and sign in and create their account is that they'll have the ability to select a nonprofit. Um, and portion of the proceeds from that download will go to the nonprofit that they select. So leave no trace. Um, several other of our partners that we've had on the podcast and past episodes will be listed on there as well. Can't thank you all enough for being one of our nonprofit partners. Definitely excited for things to come.
1: Yeah, we're excited to be a part of this, you know, psyched for the launch. Um, since we've been talking about it for the past maybe year now. Um, <laughs> and so it's... Creeping up, like you said, yeah. and, and, and coming up. And yeah, we're, we're excited for the, the donation piece. Um, I mean, we are funded by individual giving um, mm-hmm. and also uh, various corporations. And so that is how we're able to kind of create, grow, and disseminate our information. Um, We do over 600 events through our partnership with Subaru of America. So we have four teams that travel around the country and provide this information um, and education for free. So we go into schools and universities, festivals. Um, So we're around um, and you can find us on our website. We do have an online calendar. but we're excited to like start working with you guys and learning more about who you're reaching out to and how we can start disseminating Leave No Trace information into, let's say, mountain biking. If people yeah. are interested in mountain biking, where they select rock climbing when they uh, sign up for the app or they've been in the app and they mm-hmm. want to start meeting up with other people who are climbing, um, we can hit them up with rock climbing information because yeah. Leave No Trace, everything right. I've mentioned we do also have it disseminated down into sports specifics. Yeah, So we're really excited to be able to yeah. tap into that end user um, and start educating them through uh, Hook Adventures.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we we mentioned earlier, like, the, the idea of that ripple effect. And, I mean, part of our hope, and, I mean, this extends to, to Leave No Trace, but also with our other nonprofit partners, but also our brand partners too. But the hope is that as this app launches, like, The goal is to connect people in the outdoors and that as people connect and have more richer and deeper experiences, they are going to branch out and connect with people. And as they're connecting in those ways with us being able to kind of spread that knowledge, you know, with partners like Leave No Trace, like that ripple effect of them doing good for themselves in the outdoor community and the world will just kind of continue to expand. Yeah, that's that's the hope. That's what we like to see. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So final question, since uh, Subaru is a sponsor, have they shared what makes a Subaru Subaru with you? <laughs> yeah, um,
1: I've actually I work heavily with them. They've been a yeah. partner for 20 years. We're 25 years old this year. Oh, wow. So this is our 25th anniversary yeah. year, um, which is really exciting because we're planning for the next 25 years right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But uh, we do actually, like I mentioned, we have four teams that live out on the road. They live out of Subaru Ascents nice. um, and do those 600 events per year. We do now have a fifth team, um, and I was lucky enough to go on the Subaru Plant Tour in, in yeah. Indianapolis. Um and learn about how they make their cars um, zero waste, and so they actually will like when parts come in styrofoam packaging, they mark them and they send them right back. Yeah. And the their suppliers they hold accountable for that, and to send back the new parts yeah. in the same packaging. Oh yeah. Um, or like the way they stamp out the metal, um, there's zero, there's literally zero waste coming out of that wow. plant. Um, so if you buy an Outback, it's made with There's no waste that has been pushed through there. Dang, that is Um, crazy. And so we've actually worked with them, National Park Conservation Association, the NPCA. um, And then we've also worked with Grand Tetons, Denali National Park, and Yosemite as three pilot parks to bring this concept of zero waste of their expertise into the national park. Um, So we actually have that fifth tour right now, which is in route. They're just yeah. across the border into Canada. <laughs> um I think it's a ten day drive from yeah. the Tetons to oh, Denali. Yeah. Um so hopefully, you know, they're having fun and listening to radio and singing songs. Um but uh They'll be up there for a month, and they'll be working with people at the Denali Visitor Center. Mm-hmm. They'll be at the Alaska Blueberry Festival and the surrounding communities, um, talking to people about single-use products. Um, I see you have a clean canteen here. Yeah. You know, they're a partner of that yep. as well. Of people, you know, not buying single-use products and yeah. thinking about what they bring into these parks because we want to take the parks out of the waste management business right. and into the park management yeah. business and. Oh, I mean, a great expense is trucking uh, the waste that we all bring into these parks. Yeah. So if we can do our part to bring less, we also can start, you know, thinking about how can we make these parks better? How can yeah. we put in more resources that are needed? Yeah. Um, and then we'll be down in Yosemite and we'll finish with the Yosemite facelift, which is about a 2,000 person, four day yeah. cleanup event, um, wow. which is one of my favorite events I ever yeah. go to. That's um, amazing. That sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, so... They have shared that with me quite. Yeah, a bit. <laughs> I mean that is
0: that is like the best explanation I've gotten about what makes Subaru a Subaru. Yeah. Typically, when I ask it, I get like a joke in return because I'm somewhat asking this tongue in cheek. But I mean, that's a fantastic story. Yeah, like, that
1: was the three minute answer.
0: Yeah. No, I I had no idea about that about Subaru, but I mean that makes them more awesome in my book.
1: Yeah. Like I said, it's a twenty year partnership. With those guys, um, yeah. we, you know, we start with one team, Right. we have five, yeah. um, and we're just kind of still cranking away. They care about the outdoors and, you know, yeah. want to support that. So, well, cool. Yeah. Well, that's but a on great... On top of all of our other outdoor partners, um, most outdoor industry as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're excited to be working with corporations that care about the outdoors and just want to support it financially. And then also share our story. Yeah. um, Which is the power of kind of everyone talking about
0: it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's a great way to end it. Um, go buy a Subaru. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I can't appreciate you enough for coming out.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to follow Huck Adventures on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit our website huckadventures.com for updates on our app launch and stay tuned for our next adventure.